Thank you for supporting Overcomers Christian Center. From wherever you're listening, we hope that today's message leaves you feeling empowered and equipped. Hallelujah. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn me to the book of Luke chapter 5, verse 4 and verse 10. The book of Luke chapter 5, verse 4 and verse 10. Those, if you will, Luke chapter 5, starting at verse 4. And when he had stopped speaking, he, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Notice this, when he had stopped speaking, he had finished teaching the multitudes. He told, him to, he told Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And after Simon had did this and went through this process, he, he brings about a, in my opinion, a greater challenge upon Simon's life. And I want you to notice in verse 10. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch me. From now on, you will catch men. Based on that, I want to talk to you from this topic. I can't be afraid to go deeper. I can't be afraid to go deeper. In my opinion, first of all, fear is the antithesis of faith. It is the direct opposite of faith. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1, let's turn there, gives us what I I believe is the biblical definition of faith. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 through 3. When we have an understanding of what faith is, I believe we can truly or get a better picture of those things that are in contrast to faith. So let's read Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 through 3, and then we'll go back and, and deal a little bit more deeper into it. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtain a good testimony. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. So we start at verse 1. Now, faith is... Now, faith is our confidence, our conviction, and our assurance in God's written and revealed word, in who God is as a creator and a ruler of the universe and of all things in all matters. Notice this. Faith is a substance. It is a substance. It's a foundation. It's a firmness. It is a steadfastness of the things that we hope for. It is the evidence of things not seen. See, faith is trusting in the character of God, especially when you don't think that things are going to go the way that you think they are. You trust God's character. You know that God is, like they said earlier, he is faithful. Despite what I'm dealing with in my personal life, we know God is faithful. And since he's faithful, we trust in his faithfulness, his loyalty, and his allegiance. 
having confidence in the power of his written and revealed word is faith. And faith is recognizing and understanding his sovereignty and knowing he can do anything itself fail. How many know God can do anything itself fail? Hallelujah. Faith says that even though I don't see it, I still believe it. Hallelujah. I thank God for the faith walkers in this sanctuary. It goes on to read in verse 2. For by it the elders obtain a good report. For by it, we're talking about faith, the elders, the mature saints, obtain a good report. They, they were a viable witness for the word of God. They could speak audible because they had a testimony. They believed God through the changes that came their way. See, faith changes us in the sense that we're able to recognize God's sovereignty, his power, and his faithfulness. Not only do we recognize it, but we become eager to tell others about who Jesus is and how we change our lives for the better. We were all tied up and wrapped up in sin, but God freed us so we can think and talk and act more like him. Hebrews 11.3 reminds us that through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. See, through faith, we understand, we comprehend this. We, we, when we ponder about it, we come to the conclusion that the worlds, not just one world, were framed by the word of God. They were mended. They were fit together. They were prepared and restored by the word of God. So the things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. I think about it from this standpoint. I know we see this wall right here, but actually what you see right now is not holding up this building. This is what you see on the outside, but what's on the inside is what's holding up this building. And that's what it is when I think about the word of God. You, you see the earth, you see the things around you, but you don't really see what's holding together everything, which is the word of God. I was thinking and when I was pondering upon this particular part, when you think about the worlds, sometimes we can get caught up in Mars and Saturn and Uranus and Pluto and so forth. But you forget about the worlds that God has created right here on the earth. Each one of us walk around in our own world. That's why First John chapter 4 and verse 4 says this, Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. In other words, God has framed my world. He's framed your world. He's framed your world. He keeps framing worlds all around us by his word. And he says, greater is he that is in me. He's saying, you know, I'm greater than whatever comes into my world. I got the power to cast it out. I got the power to let it stay. I got the power to say be healed. I got the power to say be gone. Whatever it is, God has given me power to frame my world. And God continues to frame our world with the word of God. And see, the more word you get, the more the enemy has to flee. And that's why I thank God for the word of God. He's still framing our world today. When you go to work, that is your world. When you go home, that is your world. And it's up to you whether or not you're going to let Jesus be the Lord over your world. 
It's up to you whether or not you're going to let him be the king over your world. That's why he said, I'm Lord of lords and I'm king of kings. Yeah, you might have dominion over your world, but are you going to let me be the Lord over your world? Are you going to let me be the king over your world? And see, he's not going to fight you for who's going to be on the throne. He's not going to fight you. You're going to have to let him be Lord of lords and king of kings. Now, you still can be Lord over your world, but I realize he do a lot better ruling my world than I do ruling my world. Y'all missed that. Some of y'all, I want y'all to stay right there. Listen, he does a better job ruling my world than I do. Yeah, it's the king of kings and the Lord of lords, but you got to let him be king. You got to let him be Lord over your world. And y'all seeing this. And that's why he says, I'm framing the world by the word of God. Notice this. Listen, you can do any. Listen, I thank God. He gives us structure and we can do anything inside the structure. But we need to make sure he's Lord over our world. Because if he's Lord over our world, we will submit to the word that allow it to rule and reign over our world. And when we do that, we'll notice that God is using his world, his word, to frame the worlds, the universe and our individual world. And see, faith allows us to comprehend how God arranges, puts in order, and completes our world. See, faith also shows us how God's world, word, means, and strengthens the world regardless of what man may choose to say or believe or try to persuade us to believe. That's why you can be in this world, but you don't let the outside influences influence your world. <laughs> that only thing you allow to influence your world is the written and revealed word of God. Because when you allow that, the the pestilence that goes on in the world, the worlds that wars that go on in the world, the pandemic that goes on in the world, the people seeking ungodly power and gain that goes on out there in the world. It should not affect your world. That's why you have peace that passes all understanding. That's why you, the joy of the Lord is your strength. That's why you have joy in the midst of turmoil all around you because you have not allowed that to get in your world. Are y'all seeing that? Because I want you to be, I want greater is he that's in me to be greater than what's out there in the world. And you're letting God's word frame what you're doing in your life. How I eat, God frames my world. How I think, God frames my world. How I conduct my life, God's word frames my world. How I think, talk, and act, I allow the word of God to frame my world. And when I do that, I can, I can look for godly results. I can look for God to do what he says according to his word. I can look for God to make sure that what he says comes to pass in my life. And that's why I don't let the, the, what's going on out there stop us from what God is doing in our world. That's why I have to constantly thank him for his word and seek after getting more understanding of his word, which lies to power. See, in all that getting, get understanding. When you understand his word, it lets power release in your life. I mean, you listen, you do some great things, but let me tell you something. You can do even do greater things because it has not comprehended in your mind the things that God has prepared for them that love him. 
And see, it's God's word that mends our marriage. It strengthens our body. It restores our finances. It puts us in order when we decide to stray and do other things. His word leads us back to that safe place. Oh, I thank God for the word of God because we allow his word to be Lord over our world. And that's what you got to understand. Who are you going to allow to govern your world? Who are you going to allow to govern your world? You going to let the enemy govern your world? You going to let apprehension and, and fear and everything else uh, order your world? Or are you going to let God's word order your world? And I believe that many of you in the sanctuary have made up in your mind, I'm going to let God's word rule my world. And even if I mess up, I can repent and say, God, have mercy on me, but don't leave my world. Listen, don't leave my thinking. Don't leave. Don't leave. Don't go nowhere, God. Yeah, I messed up. I repent because I don't want you to leave my world. Because if you leave my world, I don't know what I would do. I love what David said. David said, listen, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God than to miss it, paraphrasing, than to miss this thing altogether. In other words, I want God's presence in my life. I want his presence Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. We want the presence of God 24 hours a day and seven days a week. We need his presence. We can't live without his presence. How can you make decisions? Well, you can, but how can we be godly successful without his word leading our world? See, and that's why it's evident we need more faith in our lives. And how do we obtain Romans chapter 10 verse 17 gives us an answer. Let's go to Romans chapter 10 and verse 17. Because the more you understand his word, it gives you power or lets the Lord be the Lord over your world. Thank God for that. Whatever your address is, you can listen. Thank you, Lord. I got you. Let me say this to you before I go to Romans 10 and 17. You can, listen, let him be Lord over your home, but don't leave God at your home. Let God go with you everywhere you go. Riding down the road, everywhere you go, let God be with you. Let God be with you. Don't leave him at home. We used to say when I ministered at the prison ministry, listen, don't leave God in the prison. And then you go on, do your thing once you get out. Listen, we cannot be individuals who, who uh, just have God in certain places. Have him here at church, but we don't have him at work. Have him at work, but we don't have him in our home. Have him at home, but we don't have him other places. We need God everywhere we go. Let him be Lord over your world. All right, now let me go a little farther, because we need faith. Because faith gives us strength, it gives us power, it lets us... Uh, Let's us let the Lord be Lord over our world. So Romans 10 and 17 says this. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. So notice this. Faith comes by hearing the instructions, the preaching of the gospel and hearing by the word, the spoken and the utterance of God's word. See, hearing the word preached to me is my lifeline. It's a lifeline to get me to my deliverance, my protection, and my prosperity. 
So it's a lifeline. It's a rope or a line used for safe uh, traveling or rescuing someone in difficulties. In, the, in, in other words, it's a greater line for me to understand the scriptures. I need to understand the scriptures because this helps me to get out of the things I'm getting in. See, you can mess up, but the word can guide you back to the safe place. You can do things wrong, but repentance can guide you back to the safe place. You can, listen, not, not, not quite understand everything, but the word will guide you back to the safe place. It's a lifeline, and it gets you back to your deliverance, back to your protection, back to your prosperity. And what is it? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. See, you know, and this is what you need to understand. When every now and then we might stumble along the way. We might fall into the traps of the enemy. We may find ourselves in a situation where he tricked us or he trapped us. And sometimes we find ourselves just wanting to do bad and we do bad. But thank God for repentance. Oh, God, thank God that God gives us a lifeline. It's, oh, thank God for the lifeline that we got when on the day of Calvary when Jesus shed his blood for people just like us. And when he shed his blood, he said, son, daughter, you can have a lifeline back to the Father. You were separated because of your sin, but because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ back at Calvary, we can have life and life more abundantly because of the lifeline. Thank God for the lifeline. Ooh, somebody lift your hand and say, thank God for the lifeline. Well, you, if you didn't say it, you never needed a lifeline before. But, baby, I've been in a situation where I thought I was drowning. I thought I had a real war that was over my head. And, and I said, thank God for a lifeline that got me out of that water. Because I didn't realize what fear was until I was up there saying, whoo! And, and, and there was nothing to grab a hold of, neither. I was looking for something to grab a hold of. I was looking for something. I was looking, looking, my foot couldn't touch the bottom of nothing. I needed a lifeline. But listen, they sent me a lifeline. But I thank God for a greater lifeline. I thought about the lifeline that says we can have the right to eternal life. The lifeline that gets us out of our sins. The lifeline that says I was a sinner, but I'm saved by grace. I'm sorry. Let me get back. Let me get back. I get caught up in there. I'll be teaching that for the rest of the day. But let's go a little further. It's good to know the more I hear and understand God's written and revealed word, I can pull on my lifeline and speak it with confidence and boldness and knowing that the situation is about to work out for my good. See, faith is a substance that satisfies and pleases God according to Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6. So let's go to Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6. And the Bible reads as follows. But without faith, it is impossible to please God. Please him. For he, he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a reward of them that diligently seek him. But without faith, it is impossible. Without, you don't have the strength to please God, to satisfy him or to, or to gratify him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a reward of them that diligently seek him. See, when it comes to pleasing God, it takes faith to make it happen. 
It takes faith to please God. I wish, listen, you can do a lot of good things, but it, it must be done by faith. It must be done by faith. And see, we want to be like that faithful servant that we found over in Matthew chapter 25, verses 21 through 23. Go to Matthew chapter 25, verse 21 through 23. And while you turn that, let me say this to you. I know some of you remember the, the parable of the talents and how a man called his servants and delivered his goods to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, and to the, another one according to his several ability. But the one who received five turned into five more. The one who received two turned into two more. Then there was that one brother who took his talent and hid it, dug, dug it in the ground and hid it. And, and so God went too pleased with that person. But I like what he said in Matthew 25, 21 through 23. His Lord said to him, these are the ones who had the five and the two. Well done, thy good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over the few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Talking about God's faithfulness. If you, one thing I, I was looking at this and thinking about this and meditating about this, he gave them the talent, but it was up to them to do something with it. It was up to them to do something with it. And see, God gives you faith, but it's up to you to do something with it. It's up to you to do something with it. He's given to every man a measure of faith. But he won't make you do anything with it. You've got to do something with your faith. You've got to do something with your faith. <laughs> Woo. And then in verse 23, his Lord said to him, unto him, well done. Good and faithful servant, thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. And so we see here that the individuals that had two talents gained more. Uh, and when they did, he said, well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. Now notice what he's going to do. I'm going to make you ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. So what is faith? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith allows us to have a good testimony. And I like to put it like this. It causes maturity. I'm telling you, you start walking by faith, you're going to grow up. You're going to grow up one way or another. You start walking by faith. Because it ain't going to come like you think it ought to come. It's going to come with some interesting situations attached to it. And you have to learn how to walk by faith and not by sight. And this is what I, I love about God. God knows what you're going to deal with before you deal with it. But he still says continue to walk by faith. He Listen, he knows the bill coming before you even get the bill. But he still says walk by faith. He knows you're going to be challenging your body, but he still wants you to walk by faith. He knows you're going to be acting funny on your job, but you still got to walk by faith. He knows what you're going to be dealing with in your mind, but you still got to walk by faith. He don't stop you from walking by faith because you think everything's going to go the way you want it to. It's going to go the way he wants it to because he knows what you need better than we do. And so we go on to read here. Now we've been reminded what faith is. Let's look at... How faith is in, con excuse me, fear is in contrast to faith. Fear is in contrast to faith. 
Let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7. Let me say this before we read this. Fear is not from God. Fear is not from God. 2 Timothy 1 and 7. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. For God has not given or supplied or furnished or granted us, watch this, the spirit of fear. Spirit of being timid and fearful and cowardice, but of power, love, and a sound mind. See, God has not appointed fear in our lives. Being a coward is not from God. Being timid is not a gift from God. And God is constantly giving, supplying, and furnishing us with three traits. Power, love, and a sound mind. Power is strength, power, and ability and force to carry out his will. He's going to give you strength. He's going to give you ability. He's going to give you force to carry out his will. Second trait is love. God's affection. God's good will toward man. He's going to give you agape love and a sound mind. Self-control, a moderate mind, a, a mind that has peace that passes all understanding. God gives us power, love, and a sound mind. And the second thing I want to say is that fear comes with torment. Fear comes with torment. And let me say this. See, if I didn't know First John 4 and 18 was true, I've experienced John 4 and 18 to know it's true. Now, I'm not saying that in, in, in honor of fear, but I'm just telling the reality of what fear does. Notice First John 4 and 18. There is no fear, excuse me, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Why? Because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. So notice this, dread and terror and fear is not does not come from God. But love would take fear out of the equation. And not just any love, I'm talking about God's type of love. You know, the more you love God, the less you fear. The more you trust God, the less that you fear. The more that you say, God, listen, I know they said this, and what they said is not, they're not lying, because I see it. You ever know some people will show you something on an x-ray and you ain't know what it means, but you might even agree with it if you're not careful. You never seen an x-ray and they say, you see this right here? And let's think, you didn't go to medical school. You can see it, but you know, what does it really mean? They tell you what it means when they see it. I'm like, well, God, you got to do something about this right here. They said that you need to do something. I don't know what it is. Because what? I didn't go to medical school. I mean, sometimes you got to ask doctors to break stuff down to you. Because they'll start talking doctor language on you. And if you're not careful, you may not understand what they're saying, and then you'll start agreeing with something that you really don't understand. And you have to be careful who you agree with. Sometimes fear comes because you agree with the wrong people. Mm. Lord, that'll preach right now. Because fear has what? Torment. It corrects, it punishes, it has a penalty. And he that feareth is not made perfect. One word for perfect is mature in love. As Christians, 
We have to know that fear will cause us to dread things that God intended for us to love. Fear will cause us to dread coming to God's house if we're allowed to, if, if, if we do so, we may think, we may think that someone is thinking something about me. Fear can cause us to dread spending time with our sisters and brothers in Christ, fellowshipping and bonding because sometimes we have an idea that people think of us more than they do. You can think that people have all kinds of faults about you. And then you'll dread being around them because your mind thought something that the other person never even thought about. Most people have enough on their plate to be thinking about you all the time. It's definitely not on their agenda. And you have to understand that because the enemy will play with your mind and tell you, hey, they're doing this about you. They're thinking this about you. And so forth. Fear can cause you to dread spending times with, with your spiritual sisters and brothers because uh, you think you should be on this spiritual level, but in reality, you're on this spiritual level and you don't want people to find you out. Fear will grip us so heavily when it comes to witnessing, checking on others, connecting with, uh, with those in ministry, especially babes in Christ, and reaching others to lead them to Christ because someone may fear rejection or being embarrassed. Fear is dread and fear is torment. Sometimes people get, oh my, what are they going to think about me if I go to church and I ain't been in a few Sundays? I haven't been in a few months. I haven't been in a, in a certain period of time. And really, I wasn't doing anything. It wasn't like I could say I was working that Sunday. I, it, it, I can't say I was doing anything that was really, uh, that it could be a good reason for me not to come to church. And then I miss two or three Sundays, and the enemy will play with you on Sunday morning. You can have good intentions on Saturday night. You can get your clothes out, you can iron them, but the enemy will play with your mind between midnight and that before, and then next thing you know, it's, it's 11.30. I know 11.30 on a Sunday morning. And you know 11.30 on a Sunday morning, we're about to close out. And you know the enemy will play with your mind and tell you that, hey, they gonna, what they going to think about you? Because you're supposed to be more mature than that. You taught Sunday school on Sunday. Now, look at you. You can't even get to church on Sunday. Anybody play with your mind? Look how y'all looking, boy. I, I must be the only one God, I mean, the enemy will play with the mind and what he is. But let me say this to you. You, you are no except, exception from the rule. The enemy come to steal, he come to kill, and he come to destroy but Jesus came so we may have life and have it more abundantly. And so fear and dread and terror are real. We begin, we begin to anticipate thoughts like, I don't want to be bothered. I don't want to be bothered about, you know, going, I got to do, it costs, it takes too much to go and check on somebody. What do they want to talk on the phone? What do they start asking me questions about last Sunday message? I don't even remember what it was. What is, what does they start asking me about things that, 
uh, that pertains to godly character, and my character is still shaky. What if things are not going well with me, and then I try and tell them that God can do so much for you, and it's not even going well with me? What are they going to think about me if I do this? I don't have time to check on Brother A or Sister B. And then they want to come talk. They want me to come by. They want me to bring this. They want me to do this. You have to understand the ministry of Jesus. You have to understand it. Fear is busy at work tormenting correcting others in thoughts, words, and action. And let me say this to you. Correcting grown folks is something else. I say grown folks. Folks over the age of 18 pay their own bills and so forth. Fear will cause us to be the reason that people leave church because of our torment to correct and punish rather than love and accept. Sometimes you can start correcting folks, and you start correcting to the point, they look at you. Now, you know you ain't that spiritual as what you think you are. And they could be about right, too. That's why we have to show love along with acceptance. Fear will break up relationships in the church and outside the church. Fear will cause marriages to be destroyed, children to break bonds with their parents, and fear will hinder reconciliation. Because fear is real, especially the person who's dealing with it. We have to understand it because we're working to carry out God's main ministry on earth, which is winning the loss to him. We must know that we are dealing what we're dealing with beyond the person and not what is on the outside of us, but rather what may be, notice I said may be, on the inside of us. We have to work on getting any traces of fear out of our lives. Any trace of fear, we got to work on getting it out. Got to work on getting it out. Which comes as our faith increases or mature. As we talked about earlier, godly love and faith work together in getting out fear. Godly love and faith work together in getting out fear. See, fear has to be constantly driven out. Even if you think you only got 5%, get that 5% out. If you think you got 3%, get 3% out. Now, I know it's a lot better than the 82% you used to have. But a little fear, a little leaven will leaven the whole lump. You got to get fear out. You can't let fear operate in your life. Can't let it do that. You can't even be comfortable with a little bit of fear. And sometimes you can get so much out, you used to be at 82%, now you're down to 5%, and you get comfortable with that 5%, but that 5% can later on grow and grow and grow and grow till it's a lot larger than what it started out to be. And you got to work on getting fear out of your life. And I'll tell you, God will constantly work on you. I, I got to kick out of this because as I, as I was preparing this message last week, Something happened at the house, and um, I think Lady Dobbs had gotten up and gone to work, traveled all the way to work as far as she go to work. And next thing I know, uh, I jumped out of bed. I said, what in the world? 
And I got scared for a moment. And I looked around, and I, you, ever, you might probably never happened to y'all. But I was looking around. I said, why am I scared? Why am I? What's going on right here? I got scared by something. I don't even know what it was. And I jumped up out of the bed. I looked around. She was gone. I was sitting there by myself. And I'm like, whew, okay, God, I can't let this stay. This, is, this can't stay. I can't operate in no, no fear. I can't have fear. Because fear brings what? Torment. Even this 5% torment is too much torment. We y'all missed that. 5% is still too much torment. It's too much. It's too much. That's why I need God's word in my life. To drive out fear. Because every time I get the word, it drives out fear. When I get understanding of his word, it drives out fear. It drives out fear. Some people operate in fear. It can cause you to operate in fear, for it is a spirit that influences you to act like that. And let me say this to you. difference between being, and some people like, uh, they like to deal with stuff like, I'm going to be the hero in this situation. I'm going to be the hero. Let me say this to you. You got to be ready for being the hero if you're going to be the hero in a certain situation. You got to be ready to be the hero if you're going to be the hero in a certain situation. And let me say this. Some difference between being a hero and being nosy is two different things, y'all. You want to find out, get in a certain situation, but when you get in it, you got to be ready for what, what drops in that situation. This is some situation I'm anointed to handle. But you get into it, it might mess you up. You got to know. Some things you just say, well, this, uh, this seemed like a job for a senior minister or a, or Pastor Dobbs or somebody like that. Cause this seemed like it's a little bit too much. You think you want to know some things, but when you get to know it, you can't unknow it once you know it. You cannot unknow it once you know it. Understand the difference between the two. So just because you think you want to deal with some stuff, I'm going to be the hero here. I'm, I'm not, I'm not operating in fear, but in faith. No, you got to respect what God has anointed. There were some things that God told Moses to handle. He didn't tell the ones that were under him to handle. And you have to know the difference. One thing we have to do is we have to ask ourselves the question, is faith on the inside of us or is fear on the inside of us? Or am I in the process of getting fear totally out of my life? Jesus knew that fear would be an issue because he dealt with it in what we're reading in today's text. I'm going to read and go back to Luke chapter 5, verse 3, 1 through 11, give you just a quick view. We will deal with this a little bit more later as the Lord leads. But I want to show you what we're going to be reading from. Luke chapter 5, starting at verse 1, read down to verse 11. And so it was as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God that he stood by the lake of Genesaret. So Jesus, people wanted to hear the word. Verse 2, and, saw, and Jesus saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from there, from them, and were washing their nets. And so these fishermen had finished washing their nets for the day. They had finished fishing. Well, actually, they had fished all night, as we read here a little bit later. Then he got to one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. So he got in Simon's boat, they pulled out, and he began to minister to the people. Doesn't say what he taught, but I believe Jesus was still teaching after he finished. And so while they're out there, when he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, 
launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish. And their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats. So they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Verse 9. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. So notice this. They had caught a boatload of fish. That's a lot of fish. A lot of fish. And not only that, they, that was a lot of money. That's what it represented. It represented a lot of money. A lot of money. But notice some of what Jesus told him in verse 10. And so also with James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon, and Jesus said to Simon, Hey, do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. Now, I thought about it. Do not be afraid. What do you mean don't be afraid? I caught a bunch of these fish. We in good standing. But something else was pr- proposed to them that's almost subtle that Jesus uh, made real known to them. But notice what they did. in verse. What you see the answer in verse 11. So when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. Let me say what, they, what happened to them. They thriving in business. They got a big load of fish. They get ready to sell this fish, make some money. Peter, Simon, uh, he just, in a chapter before, Jesus had just healed Simon's mother-in-law of uh, a fever. So he had a family. And now, he put all this sound down. And guess what he's getting ready to do? Go full-time ministry. You see why he said don't be afraid? You mean I got to leave my thriving business to follow you? No 401k? No retirement plan? No health insurance? Somebody, I mean, Google Jesus. Who is Jesus? Who, who am I following? You want me to follow? Hold on now. We just caught a bunch of fish. Not a small amount. I'm talking about we're going to put some money in our pockets. Fish. Two boat loans. And what does it say? Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Can I be real? I'd have been afraid. <laughs> That's me. Y'all probably wouldn't have been afraid. I don't even put nobody was what I feel on them. But I, 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 when I saw that, I said, okay, God, this is a little bit different than what I read when I first read it. Because when I first read it, I didn't see what I just, I'm showing you now. But I, he said, don't be afraid. And next day, name them. No, one verse to the next. Can I tell you what he was talking about? Could we have done what Simon done? I mean, this is what happened. You see the text, right? This ain't what I wrote. This is what I'm trying to help us all understand. Help us all understand. Let me read a little bit more to you so we can kind of wrap this up for today. Y'all doing good. Thank y'all so much for your patience. Now, 
When we verse four, Luke five and four, when he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, "Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch." God was calling for them to go deeper. But fear will keep you on the surface. Now let me say this. They had just finished fishing. The spot that Jesus go, went and told them to go fish. They had just finished fishing it. They had just finished fishing it. He said, we toiled all night and caught And And he told them to go back to the spot that they had caught nothing in and to go back fishing again. Sometimes what you're doing is not wrong. It's just not the right timing yet. But you can ask yourself the question, what if I go back and I fail? What if I go back to, he told me to go back to the place I just left. And it wasn't like they, they had not did anything. They had did, they had told all night and told them to go back to the place they had told all night. What will people think? I just left this spot. What will my partners think? I just left this spot. What if God tells you it's time for you to go back to school now and get your degree? I went to school. It was hard. It was a struggle. It was, it was not easy. But God would tell you sometimes to go back. What if you've been praying and you prayed all night and did not see the results you were looking for, but sometimes God will say, pray again. Sometimes you will be in a position where you've been given and given and you have not seen the results you've been looking for and God will tell you, give again. You've been fighting in your body. You've been going through. You've been challenging your body. You've, you've been believing God. You've been toiling all night. And God will say, go back again. Not at your word, but at his word. I mean, what they were doing was not bad. They were fishermen. They were, they were fishermen. Not like fishing boy like I talked about last week. They were fisher men. They were fisher men. But he told them to go back. And sometimes God would tell you to go back. Tell you to go back. And you can't be afraid to go back when God tells you to go back. Go back. Go back to that business. Go back to that family and witness again. Go back to your friend and share Jesus again. Go back and continue to give. Go back to the auxiliary and work it again. Go back. To the place that you toiled all night long. Go back. Go back. Go back. And they went back and they caught a boatload of fish. And now Jesus sees something else in them that they don't see in themselves. And this is where you can't allow fear to grip you. And because God will call you to something deeper and something greater. Because it says in verse 10, and, and that B clause, do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. He saw something in them they didn't probably see in themselves. He saw the potential in them. 
He saw the bigger and the better in them. And I believe God sees the better and the bigger in us as well. And see, they were going to have another opportunity to launch out into ministry. Launch out into the things of God. Launch out into the will of God. And let me say this to you. Always make sure you got a word before you launch out. Just don't launch out because you it's a good idea in your mind. But remember, they called again because what Peter, what Simon said, at your word, we're going to launch out again. And see, that, that to me is a huge difference than just going out on your own. Now, this is what you need to understand, and I know you probably thought about this, and I, I thought about it too. Remember now, Simon going fishing was perfectly normal. Nothing wrong with Simon fishing. That's what he did for a living. You know, Simon used to catch fish. He could listen. Number one, he couldn't have bought those nets and had that boat if he did, he can uh, take some fish and sell it to take care of the boat and take care of the nets. How do you think he bought the nets? How do you think he bought the boat? He had to sell, he had to get fish, sell them, because fishing is going to cost something. He had to get it, and he did, he had to pay his crew, he had to take care of his family. He had to make some money off this particular thing. But notice what he said here uh, in the latter part. He said, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Yeah, I know you look at it, when you think about it, and I, I'm sure they thought about it too as they were taking their that last catch, putting their nets up. Whew, but God saw something bigger in them. He saw up a potential in them. He saw something that would, let me tell you something, would take them to another level in ministry. We know it did for Simon. Because Simon turned into Peter. Peter preached on the day of Pentecost. But what if he would have said, you know what, Peter? I got to go to work. I can't leave this fishing to follow you. Well, we, who, would there be somebody else's name on the day of Pentecost? If he wouldn't have followed the Lord, that's why you can't be afraid to launch out into the deep. You can't be afraid to do it. I know it, it can be challenging. It can mess with your mind. Woo! And let me say this to you. If you can trust a business to pay your salary, you surely can trust God to pay your salary. If you can trust God, excuse me, if you can trust the people you work for, I tell the ones you work for, well, Pastor Bob, they're a Fortune 500 company. If you can trust the ones you pay for, I mean you work for, to pay you every week or every two weeks or once a month or whenever, Suddenly, you can trust God to take care of you in the time of need. You can trust God. You can trust God. You can trust God. You can trust God. Woo! Launching out stretches us, and it stretches our faith. The deeper you go is the more faith is required. I told you a time earlier where... I waded out and got to uh, waters over my head. I, I think about, I thought about this other example. 
think about sometimes when you're going out and you in two feet, and you say I'm, you're about my height, six feet tall, and you start going out to the deep, it's two feet, three feet, four feet, five feet. You know, it don't start bothering until you start seeing it come around him somewhere. You know, when the wave come and hits you in the face. It really, when you start tasting that salt water, especially when you're out there in the ocean, but that either gets you to uh, do something or turn around and go back. I tell you, when you're walking with God, the deeper you go, the more faith you're going to need. The more faith you're going to need. You know, more faith you're going to need. You got to trust God. Because when he says long time to the deep, it ain't going to be nothing, no surface stuff. It's not going to be a surface thing. You have to trust God as a faith walker to go into the deep. And when we're dealing with problems, situation, trouble that seem to be over our head, we have to trust God. Trust him as a faith walker. Sometimes life going to get deep to you. I'm just be real. It's going to be deep. I'm talking about real deep. Over your head deep. And I, and I know many of you have already been there. And I, you, I pray you don't stay there. But sometimes the best place to be, in fact, the best place to be is always going to be in the will of God. And sometimes the will of God is going to be over your head. It's going to have you out there in the deep. And you're like, what am I going to be? What am I doing out here? Let me tell you what you really know when you're walking by faith. You out there in the deep and you look around, ain't no boats out there. No, no, no life jacket. No, uh, or, no, cause when Paul got his shipwreck, at least he had some, uh, broken parts of the ship to get back, back in. And the only thing keeping you afloat is your trust in God. You ain't got nothing, no, listen, your options, you have no option but to trust in God. I have no option but to trust in God. Well, you really out there then. Walking by faith and not by Thank you so much for listening to today's message. Please subscribe to our podcast. And if you're ever in the Villarica area, you can visit us at 3193 South Van Wert Road in Villarica, Georgia, on Sunday mornings at 10 and Wednesday evenings at 7. You can also reach us at 770-459-6221. That's 770-459-OCC1. Follow us on Facebook at Overcomers Christian Center and visit us online at OCCVR.org. We pray that you're empowered and equipped in today's world.